1: seven of the podcast it's this america the air tour sports podcast it is thursday may 6th 2021 people hope everybody is having a great day hope nobody is nursing that cinco de mayo hangover yes this is the day after cinco de mayo hope you didn't have too much fun hope you didn't drink too many margaritas because we got a loaded show and i need you guys fully focused in all seriousness i hope you guys are doing well busy show fun show so this is how the, the layout of the show is going to work so open the show What I'm going to do is give you my updated top 10 from my way too early top 25 post-college basketball season. If you remember, the day the season ended, I put out my way-too-early top 25, basically previewing next year, and what ended up happening was a lot of stuff has changed since then. A couple teams, um, uh, uh, you know, Texas, Arkansas, have picked up some major, major, major players in the transfer portal, and many of you have asked me, can you update that list right now? Let us know where you think things currently are. So I have gone ahead and done that, and I will say there's still a lot of decisions to be made a couple transfers obviously a school like Kentucky is waiting on a point guard if they get the right guy I think they'll be in that mix for a top 10 and obviously some NBA draft decisions as well so we'll update the top 10 then from there is where it gets interesting okay so I was planning on talking about something that happened at Kentucky on the back half of this show um, and it had to do with the assistant coaching hires and what I mean by that is this It has been basically reported for about two weeks that Kentucky is going to shake up its staff and that two guys, Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman, two really well-respected recruiting assistant coaches are going to come from the University of Illinois to the University of Kentucky. That was what I was planning on talking about, except one problem. Even after multiple reports uh, announced that it was a done deal, it hasn't been official yet. So I'm not really going to talk about that, but I will talk about C.J. CJ Frederick, one of the top transfers remaining in college basketball. He committed to Kentucky, what it means for the Wildcats going forward. But I also will say in terms of the assistant coaching hires, I do have a great interview with Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio on the back half of this show. Jack is, I believe, as good, if not better, than anybody covering the Kentucky beat right now. And we really did spend a lot of time talking about those assistants and coaching hires knowing that they had not been official. Now, it's worth noting that when Jack and I got on the phone, uh, C.J. Frederick was not official yet. So we talk a lot about the coaching hires, what it means going forward, what to expect from the program. Really fun interview with Jack. It's a little bit of a nerdy Kentucky basketball conversation, but you guys enjoy this stuff. I had Jack on uh, in the middle of the, the the winter time when Kentucky was struggling. I got a lot of great feedback. So Jack Pilgrim joins me to talk Kentucky basketball. I will also talk C.J. Frederick, but let's start with where I said we would start, and that is with the way-too-early top 25, which has been updated for the middle of the spring. And as a little bit of backstory, I know I just explained it, but let me do it again really quick. When the college basketball season ends, one thing that all of us in the media do, because you guys as fans love it, is we put out our quote-unquote way-too-early top 25, and what we do is we kind of project, okay, this team has that guy coming back and that guy is coming back and this guy's going to test the draft waters, but if he comes back, watch out. And so I put out the way too early top 25 the day after the national championship game between Gonzaga and Baylor. And what I want to do today is update it really quickly and kind of just let you know who are those teams that are making big new big moves in the offseason. Now there's a few teams that were basically there. They haven't really changed their roster that much, but I want to give you an up Date on the top 10 in college basketball as I see it right now uh, here in the middle of the spring. And it's worth noting that we are still, of course, waiting on a lot of NBA draft decisions. If certain guys make certain decisions, it's going to alter things. There are still a few marquee players left in the transfer portal. And there's a school like Kentucky, which I'll talk about in a minute, that I think they're a piece away, a really good point guard away from potentially being a top 10 team. But here is my top 10. I'll call it my mid-spring Too early, top 10 for college hoops. But first, before I get to it, let me first give you the top 10 as I saw it the day after the season ended, okay? So this was my top 10 the day the season ended. Gonzaga, number one. UCLA, number two. Ohio State, number three. Purdue, number four. Duke, number five. Virginia, number six. Arizona, which of course was coached by Sean Miller at that time, number seven. Kansas, eight. Maryland, nine. Bama, 10. That was my list after the season. I should mention the most feedback I got was from Arkansas fans. At that time, they did not have any transfer. I think they had Audis Tony committed, so they had one transfer committed. How can you have a solo? Well, Arkansas fans, you are part of my new top 10, but let's get into my way-too-early mid-spring top 10 for the 2021-2022 season. I have switched number two and number one, so as of right now today, my number one team going into next year is is the UCLA Bruins, who of course are coming off their first Final Four in over a decade. As of right now, that Final Four team is set to return every single person, and that is why I move them up. Because I just assumed that after even as successful as that run was... That uh, UCLA was going to lose some guys, that some guys that were on the bench were going to transfer, that maybe a guy or two would go pro, that Johnny Juzang was definitely out the door. And so I had them at number two, assuming maybe Johnny Juzang stays, maybe he goes, but probably two or three marquee role players transfer. Well, guess what? As of right now, there are only three high major programs that have not had a single scholarship player enter the transfer portal, and UCLA is one of them. I will also mention that UCLA, because they're on this weird quarter system, they're still in school, they held their first practice post-Final 4 on Monday, and you know who was at practice? Just about everybody, including Johnny Juzang, who I think is the key to UCLA being number one next year. So I still have them at number one based on the fact that I do think Johnny Juzang is going to come back. Everybody else is expected back. There should be no transfers at this point, you would think. And they also add a McDonald's All-American named Peyton Watson, who I actually think would do a pretty decent job of filling in for Johnny Juzang if Johnny Juzang decides to stay pro. But right now, number one is UCLA, based on the fact that they're going to bring back their entire Final Four team, plus a McDonald's All-American and Peyton Watson. Number two. Oh, and one more second thing on UCLA, for anybody who, I just want to make one thing clear, for anyone who's going to say, well, of course you like them, they made a Final Four, but they stunk before the NCAA tournament, let me just say, never forget, this UCLA team was good pre-tournament, despite what their seeding in the NCAA tournament said, their record was 12-2 at one point last season, before they had a few injuries, they were the preseason Pac-12 favorites, they're a really good team, so they are my number one team going into next year. Number two, I have flipped number one to number two, and that is Gonzaga. Part of the reason with Gonzaga is when I look at their current roster, I don't think it's going to be quite as explosive as it was this past season. Corey Kispert's obviously gone. Jalen Suggs is obviously gone. And in what was a little bit of a surprise, Joel, my boy, he announced that he is declaring as well. So really your top three playmakers on the perimeter are all gone, but you still look at who's coming back and it's still really good. Andrew Nemhart's coming back, Drew Timmy, who was obviously a star in that UCLA game, is coming back, and oh, by the way, got the number one player in America, Chet Holmgren, to commit, and I think he will be a good yin and yang down low with Drew Timmy, providing some of the rim protection and shot blocking that they just did not have last year. Gonzaga, to its credit, has also done well in the high school ranks, Hunter Salas, top five player in America, has committed to play there, and they also got a really good transfer named Rasir. Bolton, who averaged 15 points per game at Iowa State last year. So Gonzaga, completely reloaded. Obviously, the the marquee names, Andrew Nemhard and of course, Drew Timmy off that national championship runner-up. And of course, Chet Holmgren is the new name, star freshman, along with Hunter Salas. Number three, this team is a big riser, and it's Villanova. And let me go back to explain a little bit about that post-NCA tournament top 25. When I did that post-NCA tournament top 25, remember, every single player, including seniors this past year, has been given an extra year of eligibility by the NCAA. Why is that important? I have not gone and tried to, fi- when, when I put together the top 25, I wasn't trying to figure out which seniors were coming back and which ones were deciding to go pro. Basically what I said was, is that I was going to assume that every senior that could come back would not come back until I heard that they came back. I just think it's too hard to project which 22-year-old uh, grown man wants to come back for another year of college versus the ones that are ready to just move on to the next level. So why do I bring that up? It's because of the fact that Villanova had two seniors that were both starters last year decide to use their extra year of eligibility, Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. And with Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels back, Villanova now has four of its five starters off back off of last year's team. And if you remember, Villanova was basically in the top 10 all season long uh, until uh, Colin Gillespie got hurt late. And so basically, you're returning four out of five starters off a top 10 team. Now, I will say the one starter that they lost, uh, whose name Jeremiah Robinson Earl, really good player, low post player, and they will have to find some production in the paint. But I don't know how you can have Villanova any lower than number three. Number four, I do have Ohio State, which was the number three team in my way too early top 25. And with Ohio State, what you need to know is this. Listen. They got bounced early in the tournament by Oral Roberts, not good. But they were basically a top ten team all year. They too are expected to return four starters, two key players: Dwayne Washington, a guard, and E.J. Liddell, their low post player, are testing the NBA draft waters. But neither is projected to be picked, and I am assuming that both will come back. So with that, I will have uh, I will have Ohio State at number four in the country. Number five, it's. Basically, the exact same deal with Purdue. Purdue, it, it was they were number four in my way too early top 25 postseason, and their roster hasn't changed. They bring back everybody of substance off a team that finished fourth in the Big Ten this year. And I know we want to criticize the Big Ten, and maybe with good reason, but Purdue brings back everybody off a team that finished in the top four in the Big Ten um they add two top 50 players and they're just a team they're one of those programs that when they have veterans when they have older guys they're going to be really 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 good and I expect Purdue to be one of those teams that's basically in the top five to seven all next season number six a big riser here how about my Alabama Crimson Tide did you see Nate Oates swinging a golf club On whatever it was on Wednesday, funny video of Nate Oates, not a star golfer, but he is a brilliant coach. And here's the thing about Alabama they are going to lose obviously John Petty and Herb Jones off last year's Sweet 16 team. But what a lot of people don't know their two top scorers are projected to be back Javon Quinterly and Jaden Shackleford. Jaden Shackleford is testing the waters, he's not projected to be drafted, and so because of it, I assume that Jaden Shackleford is coming back, and if he comes back. Alabama will once again be totally loaded. They have those two back. They have Josh Primo, who is also testing the draft waters, but I expect him to be back. And then, oh, by the way, they have maybe one of the top guards coming into college basketball next year, J.D. Davison, committed to come to Alabama. But the reason they moved up They did have some holes to fill and boy, oh boy, did they fill them. Nailed the transfer portal, two marquee transfers. Namari Burnett, former McDonald's All-American is coming to Alabama. He started his career at Texas Tech. He almost committed to Alabama out of high school. He is now going to the Crimson Tide. In addition to that, Uh, In addition to Namari Burnett, Noah Gurley, a player that I really like from Furman. He's kind of an athletic big, kind of that Nate Oates new age big. He is coming there. Charles Badeko, another five star. So Alabama has really reloaded. They are number six in my mind. Number seven, you talk about reloading. I have Texas, which was not ranked and did not have Chris Beard as its head coach following the season. I have them all the way up to number seven. And let me tell you what Chris Beard has done since he got to Texas. First of all, at some point, I'm gonna talk about this. He hired maybe the most high-profile staff, I would argue, and I'm not kidding, outside of what this Kentucky staff is doing, um, I think you could legitimately argue that this is the most impressive staff, not only hired this offseason, but one of the most impressive staffs I have ever seen put together at the college level, okay? Okay. He had two assistant coaches that uh, two guys that were head coaches have come on as assistant coaches, Rodney Terry, who was the head coach at UTEP, as well as Chris Ogden, who was the head coach at UT Arlington. In addition to that, he took Bill Self's number one recruiter, Jarence Howard, and he brought an elite recruiter with him from Texas Tech. So he put together what people in college basketball are calling the dream team. And they are going to have a dream team by next season, people. So this is who uh, Texas has gotten committed since Chris Beard started as head coach. First of all, two of their top three players in the backcourt quarter coming back. Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey. Courtney Ramey testing the draft process, but I expect him back. Also a big guy named Brock Cunningham. But here is who Texas has committed through the transfer portal. Uh, they have Timmy Allen, a wing who was all Pac-12 last year. They have Christian Bishop, a starter on Creighton's Sweet 16 team, who's a big guy. They have Dylan Dissu, who was the leading rebounder in the SEC last year. And they have Devin Askew, who started games as point guard at Kentucky. Now, I know we got a lot of Kentucky fans. They'll say Devin Askew isn't that good. And I will agree to the, to the idea that Texas probably needs to upgrade a point guard. And there's a chance they could get Severe Wheeler from Georgia. If Texas upgrades a point guard, I think you can legitimately make a case they are a top three to four team going into next season. As of right now, I have them at number seven, and that is with Devin Askew starting at point guard. I would agree with people that say at the high major level, at least next year, he's probably better coming off the bench. But Devin Askew, Timmy Allen, Dylan Disu, Christian Bishop, in addition to three returnees, Chris Beard is fully locked and loaded. I believe that's John Rothstein saying about Chris Beard. Baylor at number eight. Another big riser from the way-too-early top 25. Uh, Baylor ended the season at number one, and I think Scott Drew's done a really good job reloading. First of all, they will bring back a lot of uh, key players from that 2021 title team, the one that just won a championship a few months ago. Uh, Obviously, they're going to lose Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, and Davion Mitchell, but Adam Flagler is back. Uh, Flo Thamba Jonathan Chama is back and so three marquee players plus Matt Meyer who is declaring for the draft but is expected to return and then on top of that they added one of the best players in the transfer portal James Akinjo who was first team all Pac-12 this past season uh, at Arizona, and so with James Akinjo now basically taking over for Davion Mitchell, Adam Flagler can play off the point. They've also added a couple nice freshmen. Scott Drew ain't slowing down. I got Baylor at number eight. Number nine is Duke, okay? So Duke fell a little bit and i probably had them a little bit overrated in hindsight when it came to uh when it came to having them i think i had them at number 5 or number 6 what did i say i had them at coming out of the coming out of the season i had them at number 5 okay i like duke two things with duke one they have not won an ACC regular season championship since 2010 that's obviously 11 years going on 12 by the time next season starts so they are my highest ranked ACC team and I can't justify putting anyone ahead of them but they are super young and while a lot of schools like Kentucky like Kansas are transitioning are transitioning to more of the recruit the transfer portal rather than the elite high school player mode Duke is still all in on the elite high school players now I will say as I said after the season I believe Paulo Banchero is the best player coming into college basketball as a freshman next year, even more so than Chet Holmgren. I've seen he's moved up to number one pick status in, in uh, you know a lot of mock drafts. And so Paulo Banchero from Duke, really, really good player who I expect uh, to have success at Duke. They will also bring back a couple really interesting uh, role players from this past year's team, Jeremy Roach, Mark Williams, a center, Wendell Moore, a wing. And they had a bunch of other really good freshmen too, including Trevor Keels, also a possibility that the top remaining high school player who is uncommitted Patrick Baldwin ends up there finally at number 10 how about those Arkansas Razorbacks oh Arkansas fans were mad at me last time how could you have them at number 10 what are you doing what are you thinking Torres at the time they had no players we knew Moses Moody was declaring we expected most of the seniors to leave which they did and they didn't have any players Audis Tony had just committed but for the most part they didn't have a team Well, now they got a squad, and that squad can ball, okay? So, first of all, they bring back off of this year's Elite Eight team two really good sophomores, Devo Davis, the point guard, the kid who hit the game-winning shot against Oral Roberts, and also Jalen Williams, the starting center, who's a really, really, really good player. They should also bring back J.D. Note, who was their sixth man. He was awesome against Baylor before he fouled out. Connor Vanover, the big man. And on top of that, K.K. Robinson, a former Top 50 recruit who didn't even play this year, is expected back as well. But Eric Musselman also does what Eric Musselman does. Uh, Transfer portal, he has crushed. Uh, Audis Tony, I mentioned, averaged 15 a game at Pitt. He's kind of a power wing. I really like his style of play. Chris likes, 5'7", point guard, averaged 15 a game at Miami this past season, 16, 17 a game over the course of his career. Uh, and also Stanley Amude, who averaged 21 at South Dakota. So you're adding basically two really 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 uh marquee transfers from the high major level who both averaged 15 a game and as well as stanley amude who averaged whatever i said it was 21 a game for south dakota really good really talented arkansas at number 10 a few teams who just missed the cut one michigan uh michigan when i did my way too early top 25 i did not expect them to return hunter dickinson but it feels like Hunter Dickinson is not even going to test the NBA draft process and return to Michigan. It's interesting. They got a commitment from a point guard this past week. And the point guard said, yeah, Hunter Dickinson was recruiting me hard. I can't wait to play with him. So Hunter Dickinson's coming back. Uh, I still worry they did lose a lot of scoring and shooting off of the wing. And so because of it, I'll probably lean as having them somewhere in that 10 to 15 rage. I don't know if I can put them in the top 10 right now. Uh, Kansas fell a little bit. Nothing really they did wrong. I just think there's other teams that have gotten better. Obviously, Virginia, same deal. They lost a few guys via transfer, so Virginia just missed the cut. Uh, Arizona was another one from that way too early top 25 originally, but Arizona, Sean Miller left, obviously two players. James Akinjo, who I just mentioned, is at Baylor. Jordan Brown entered the transfer portal. So Arizona is out. Maryland is out as well. The four teams that fell out from earlier are Virginia, Arizona, Kansas, and Maryland. In their place are, as I said, Villanova, Baylor, Texas, and Arkansas. And once again, here is my mid-spring top twenty. Our top ten, excuse me. Maybe I'll do a top twenty-five at some point. But UCLA number one, Gonzaga number two, Villanova number three. Ohio State 4, Purdue 5, Alabama 6, Texas 7, 8 is Baylor, 9 is Duke, and 10 is Arkansas. All right, I do want to switch gears to Kentucky basketball where it was a very interesting week. Uh, Basically... There are two marquee assistant coaches that are about to be hired. We knew it was going to happen two weeks ago. We thought it would be official right now. We were waiting, waiting, waiting. There was a new news cycle that it was going to happen this week. As of right now, it still has not happened. But in the meantime of waiting for the assistant coaching hires, Kentucky picked up a marquee transfer commitment as C.J. Frederick from Iowa uh, has committed to Kentucky. So we are about to get to that momentarily. But first, wait, what's that? What's that noise? breaking news this is an important PSA from our favorite sponsor manscaped.com they are back the leader in men's below the waist grooming yeah fellas I'm talking about shaving down there manscaped.com is back this is your public service announcement and it's the news that you have been waiting for the manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the lawnmower. 4.0 trimmer which is now available as of right now today the morning of may 6 2021 it is available for purchase in the u.s and canada this new trimmer guys i am it was literally just released hours ago monday or excuse me morning may 6 2021 and we are one of the first ones to get our hands on it and share the news join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer 20% off free worldwide shipping with the promo code torres at manscaped.com fellas you want to do yourself a favor and go ahead get yourself an early father's day gift manscaped.com promo code torres 20 percent off plus free shipping ladies maybe your man he's a little embarrassed doesn't like to talk about it doesn't like to trim he's old school from the old days well guess what manscaped.com promo code torres works for you as well get your man an early father's day gift manscaped.com promo code torres Let's get back into the lawnmower 4.0 because I am one of the first people to try it. I'm telling you, I'm blown away by, by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology is so good, it almost seems like Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure the safety of your family jewels and make sure that they are as safe as possible. Listen, fellas, we have all used the competition's trimmers. Let me tell you, Elon Musk engineers weren't weren't working on those guys. I almost I don't even have kids, and I almost lost it before I did use the competitor. That's why I go to Manscaped.com promo code Taurus. But back to the lawnmower 4.0. So many great details on this thing. First, a new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. The lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn on the 4,000 K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Speaking of which. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. That's right, fellas. You're a grown man. You don't want to go bald down there. You don't have to. You want to be a little trim. You don't want that James Harden beard down there. One through four guards, manscaped.com. You don't got to go bald if you don't want to. That's the great thing about manscaped.com. Promo code Taurus. The the optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is also, and this is important, guys. The lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof so you can groom in the shower and not worry about having to make a mess on the bathroom floor. We've all been there. We're trying to clean up down there, trying to be- make our wives happy, and then all of a sudden we leave a hair or two we get yelled at. Well, guess what? It is waterproof. You can use it in the shower. Uh, and did I mention wireless charging? Uh, Yeah, because there's wireless charging. Lawnmower 4.0's new new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help your battery length last longer. If you're still trimming your face with the other trimmer, stop being gross. It's time to make some changes, and it's time to go to manscaped.com, promo code TORRES. Again, get yourself an early Father's Day gift. Ladies, get your man a Father's Day gift. Kids, if you're into it, get your father a Father's Day gift or... Fellas, I'm not going to lie, get your woman a late Mother's Day gift, which is really a gift for her. Manscaped.com, promo code TORRES, the lawnmower 4.0. This thing is incredible, and I appreciate Manscaped for being an incredible sponsor. Use promo code TORRES, 20% off, plus free shipping worldwide. Fellas, you can use it. Ladies, you can use it. Remember, your balls will thank you. All right, so a big thank you to Manscaped. They are incredible uh yeah awesome sponsor but i do want to transition i do want to get out of here with a couple actual basketball topics yes we do have to talk basketball and it's been a really interesting week at the university of kentucky and so i know i just laid it out but let me kind of re-explain for people who aren't as plugged in in the kentucky basketball scene but really over the last few weeks we have known that there was going to be, basically we know dating back to the end of last season, there was going to be a lot of change at the University of Kentucky, right? Uh, It was a disaster. We don't need to relive it. Uh, We're having PTSD just talking about it, but Kentucky finishes nine and 16, and you knew not only was there gonna be player upgrades, but coaching upgrades as well. And so it's been interesting because basically for about two weeks now, we have known that one, two assistant coaches were on the go, but then on top of that, as well we kind of knew who was going to replace him so it was going to be the top two assistants from the University of Illinois two guys who are really well respected in recruiting circles one is named Orlando Antigua who was basically John Calipari's right-hand man during those early Calipari teams of you know 2009 to 2014 he would be coming back and he would be bringing his colleague Chin Coleman who actually was the guy who recruited Io Desumu out of Chicago Io Desumu first team All-American potential national player of the year And oh, by the way, friend of the Aaron Torres podcast. So it's basically been known for about two weeks that those were the guys that Kentucky was going to get. And I thought I would spend this segment talking about those guys uh, because it's a big story in college basketball. But unfortunately, as I record here, they still have not officially been hired. And so instead, what I want to do is talk about another story that broke while we were waiting for the coaching changes to be made uh, later uh, for the coaching changes to be made this week. That news is that C.J. Frederick, a transfer from the University of Iowa, one of the best players left in the transfer portal, has officially committed to the University of Kentucky. So we're waiting for assistant coaching news, and instead we get a mega transfer of C.J. Frederick transfers to Kentucky. To be blunt, this news is not surprising, okay? For people who do not follow the transfer portal stuff as closely as I do, and I follow it maybe as closely as anybody in the country, uh, C.J. Frederick is originally from, Uh, actually the state of Ohio, I guess, but he played his high school ball in Kentucky. He was actually the Kentucky State Player of the Year, and I believe it was 2018. He won a state championship. And so even before the season ended, there were already rumblings that he was going to transfer and that Kentucky was going to be the school. Now, before anyone gets crazy, there was no tampering. It was just one of those, I think his uncle or his grandfather or somebody was running their mouths on a message board. But once it became clear that uh, he was going to transfer, Kentucky was... Was always going to be the favorite and so because of it uh it it appears as though cj frederick was in the portal and now he is officially a kentucky wildcat so first of all let me say this this is huge news for kentucky basketball and here's why he fills the number one need that this school had which was three-point shooting he is not only a good three-point shooter he is by college basketball standards one of the best three-point shooters in the country he is a guy who shot uh 40 how about this 47% from three-point land this season, and it's crazy. It's not like he only shot 10 or 20 over the course of the year. He shot over 100, and he was limited to 27 games because of injury. He missed about five, six games because of injury. He actually shot 46% as a freshman last year and averaged 10.5 points per game. Two good years at Iowa for two NCAA tournament teams. Now he is at Kentucky. So first of all, this news is huge because he becomes a very important piece for the University of Kentucky, just a really good player. But it's also really important news because of the fact that it fits a need for Kentucky, which I would argue is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in Power 5 basketball last year. It is hard for me to make the argument that there are very many better three-point shooting teams on paper going into next year in college basketball than Kentucky because you have C.J. Frederick who shot 47.5% this past season. You have Kellen Grady, who's another transfer from Davidson, averaged 17 points per game. He has shot 38% from three-point land this year. And again, he's another guy that took an awful lot of three-point attempts almost 200 as opposed to 100 uh and then finally you have Dante Allen who was really 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 good last year and so I bring all this up because one CJ Frederick's good two he has a specific skill and it adds to a specific skill that Kentucky desperately needs and now I can't lie guys I'm starting to look at this roster and I'm actually starting to think Kentucky's pretty good now to be abundantly clear just to make it clear I talked about it on Monday's show and it stands true they need a point guard. C.J. Frederick cannot be the point guard. Kellen Grady cannot be the point guard. Nobody on this roster can be a point guard. And until Kentucky gets a point guard, their season, they're, they are not a, a, you know, they're not a top ten, top fifteen team. They're just not. But what I do believe is that if you can get a point guard, if you, it doesn't even need to be an elite guy. It doesn't need to be a guy that's a great three point shooter. All you need is a guy that can create for others, beat people off the dribble, and you got guys all over the, the floor that can spread things out and hit wide open threes, and again, you should be one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. But let's assume they get a point guard, and John, uh, Jack Pilgrim and I are going to talk about this here in about 10 minutes when, I, when he joins me, but if you get a point guard, look at this roster. It's as good as a lot of those teams that I just mentioned in the top 10. You have a good point guard. Let's say they get one. Then you have three elite three-point shooters. You have Oscar Shibway down low. For people who do not know, he is a power forward, played at West Virginia, was actually West Virginia's leading scorer two seasons ago, decided to transfer. And then you have Damian Collins, five-star freshman, rim protector, all that stuff. And so I look at Kentucky and I say, man... That is a loaded squad that I believe will be ready to go and ready to compete at the top of college basketball next season. Now, are they UCLA? Are they um, whoever? Are they Villanova? They're not there yet. I don't even think they're quite at that Alabama-Arkansas level. But what I would also say is this. Let's never forget that on top of everything that went wrong last year, Kentucky didn't have a normal offseason. And I think you can argue that more than any program in the country, Kentucky needs their offseason to be as scheduled and routine as possible, get their players back early, get them acclimated, get them used to college life, get them used to each other, because there is so much turnover with the roster. And so when I look at Kentucky, let's work under the assumption that they have a point guard at some point here in the next couple weeks whether it is a freshman like Ty Ty Washington whether it is a transfer whatever but what I am saying is if you get that point guard now all of a sudden you're talking about a, a talented team a deep team a veteran team you give John Calipari a normal summer I really 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 like that team and on top of giving John Calipari another summer here's some other things to consider one He will actually have a coaching staff in place that he truly trusts, and I'm gonna talk about it with Jack Pilgrim in a minute, but I don't think he trusted the coaching staff over the last couple years. He will have his right-hand man back, so that's one. It's gonna be an adjustment period for Orlando Antigo, but I think that matters. And then two, on top of that, I would also say this, and I think this is important. You're gonna have a veteran squad that's used to college basketball, a bunch of guys that, uh, of course, were on campus and on the team last year, and I'll just say this. I think you're going to have a bunch of guys that are appreciative of the opportunity to play at the University of Kentucky. Clearly, C.J. Frederick wants to be there. He's from Kentucky, wants to play in front of friends and family. Clearly, uh, Kellen Grady wants the big stage of Kentucky. Oscar Sheboy wanted to commit to Kentucky out of high school. So you're going to have a group of guys, normal summer, group of guys that want to be there, veteran, nobody's, I, I don't think is entitled. Nobody feels like they're owed anything. It's just going to be a different, mature type team. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because Kentucky is probably the team more than anybody else that still has a major piece that it has to add this offseason. But if Kentucky gets that point guard, guys, I am just telling you, I think this is a really, 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 really talented team coming into next year. But I believe that the the, the second to last really big piece, assuming, by the way, that the two guys that are kind of on the fence about the NBA draft process, Davion Mintz and Keon Brooks, assuming they end up leaving, I still think CJ Frederick was key. They need a point guard. But if they get that point guard, man, I'm just saying, watch out. Cal's going to get that swag back, and he all better be careful because I think this is going to be a really, really, really good team next season. And when I do, maybe my midsummer top 10, maybe Kentucky will be in there. All right. I think that's it for uh, all this good stuff from this part of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Coming up right now, Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky Sports Radio really good friend of mine. And so I had Jack on probably in late December around Christmas time when the wheels were starting to come off in Kentucky, where everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, And Jack and I had a deep, long talk about Kentucky and you guys loved it. And so with the uh, coaching news coming fast and furious, I decided to get Jack back on. Now it is worth mentioning a few things. One, we did spend a lot of time talking about the idea of the coaching staff because we know it's coming at some point barring something catastrophic chin coleman orlando antigua are coming to kentucky so we'll talk about that and it was also i should mention we recorded before cj frederick officially committed so because of that not a ton of cj frederick talk but i just handled it but that is all for this segment. And by the way, I don't think you have to be a Kentucky fan to enjoy the next segment. If you like the inner workings of college basketball, Jack is as plugged in at one of the marquee programs in the country. I think you'll really enjoy it. Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky Sports Radio coming up. That is all for this segment. That is all for this portion of the Aaron Torres podcast. Shout out to and Craig. Shout out to Rachel who Hates My Voice. I will be back Monday. But first, let's get to Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky Sports Radio. All right, joining me via Zoom, um, was going to have him on this week to talk about Kentucky's point guard situation, because I talked about that on Monday's show uh, after Nolan Hickman's decommitment, assumed we would talk about the two new coaching hires uh, as it pertained to Kentucky, but as we record at 3 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday, Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky Sports Radio, is joining me. Kentucky still only has one official assistant coach with Jay Lucas. I guess Bruiser Flint is still there. So, Jack, we are going to work under the assumption that the two marquee assistant coaches that I talked about to lead the show, people listening will know what I'm talking about. I talked about Chin Coleman from Illinois, Orlando Antigua from Illinois. We are working under the assumption that at some point this will be official. Uh, But first of all, Jack, how are you? And second of all, Jack, why are these hires not official at three o'clock on Wednesday afternoon?
0: Well, I'm I'm just as frustrated and, and waiting on pins and needles just just the same way you are. This is stuff that I think was supposed to th- th- all of these these coaching decisions I thought were going to happen a week ago, maybe even as, as late as two weeks ago, and, and then we're waiting on some some player decisions that have been supposedly uh, kind of in the works for the last couple weeks that I thought maybe one was a big one was going to happen last Friday that got pushed back because of Nolan Hickman's decommitment. So it kind of feels like we're just all waiting for the inevitable, which is uh, coach. O is back in, in Lexington. Coach Chin Coleman is joining him. Both of them coming from Illinois and CJ Frederick at some point, Iowa sharpshooter is going to be joining the fold as well. So we're just kind of all sitting here waiting for, uh, you know, UK is such a, uh, you know, they're, they're very PR oriented. They want to, they want to put things out in a positive spotlight and make sure that the news getter is making is the focus, the focus of attention whenever the news drops. So, you know, that maybe they're just kind of waiting off a little bit after Nolan Hickman's decommitment to kind of ease up and, and ease into a big time announcement with what's inevitably coming, but why we're, we're here. Let We know what's happening. Let's just get it over with.
1: So I've always had this theory on Calipari and listen for, I will say there are some variables that that are obviously outside of everyone's control, including the tragic passing of Terrence Clark, which may have slowed this down a little bit. I know there were some HR reasons why this may have gotten pushed back in terms of posting the coaching hirings, but I would also say, I I think Calipari, uh, even in his uh, advanced age, as he's getting up there, he still has a way of making sure that news hits at the best possible time in the biggest way possible. I'll give you an example. I remember the Devin Askew commitment, which at the time felt big. And unfortunately uh, we all (laughs) wish Devin Askew luck. Uh, It didn't work out at Kentucky, but I remember that happened. I want to say within 24 hours of losing to Evansville uh, about two years ago now. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's one announcement after the other, after the other, after the other. But as you just mentioned, as I mentioned, John Calipari had to rework his staff, and and for people, I, I think everybody knows your background, Jack. But you cover Kentucky for Kentucky Sports Radio. When the wheels started coming off earlier this season, you came on and we had a great conversation. People loved it, so I wanted to bring you back on now. But so again. Two marquee assistant coaching spots have been vacated. Uh, Tony Barbie, an assistant, took the head coaching job at Central Michigan. Joel Justice takes an associate head coaching job at Arizona State. And John Calipari, to his credit, uh, knew he needed to hit a home run with these rings, and went out and got two guys that were part of the staff at Illinois that had arguably the most talented roster in college basketball this year, Chin Coleman and Orlando Antigua. So that is what Jack and I are referencing for the 1% of you that don't. So now that, again, for the second, third, fourth time, that's out of the way, how important do you think this is? I mean, point blank, because, um, you know, there's been so many variables at Kentucky over the last couple of years, but it has felt like recruiting has regressed a little bit. Um, so let me, I, I'll stop talking. I'm just putting it on the floor for you. Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman at some point will become official. How important is it in terms of the present and future of Kentucky basketball?
0: Well, I think it starts and ends with the fact that I genuinely got the sense around the program that John Calipari never trusted Joel Justice to be his number one lead recruiter. I don't think he trusted Tony Barbie to kind of be a closer, to be a a a grinded out guy on on the recruiting trail. I think when he lost Coach O the first time around back in twenty fourteen, that you know that was his trusted sidekick, that was his 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 confidant, a guy that he could send out on the recruiting trail kind of get a hands-off approach and say I'm trusting you to get these kids in position for me to close and I think when he left it kind of put the ball in Kenny Payne's court to be that guy he obviously was that guy all the success everybody talks about how important Kenny Payne was to the program that's it's very obvious then when Kenny Payne left it kind of pushed Joel Justice up to that number one spot they brought in Bruiser Flint which you talk to people in basketball circles, you know, he is coach Cal's best bud. Don't want to call him a yes man, but kind of, I mean, kind of is, you know, he's not, he, is he going to look at coach Cal in the eye and say, you made a wrong decision on this. We need to go back, you know, from square one and and redo this. This, this was not a good uh, decision, whatever. He's not that type of guy. He's, he's a good, you know, basketball mind and counterpart, but he's not that guy for Cal Joel justice. I had a bunch of faith in Joel Justice. I think he did a hell of a job, uh, you know, kind of developing these long-term relationships, guys like Sky Clark, Jaden Bradley, guys in, in future uh, upcoming years. But I never got the sense that Cal completely trusted his talent evaluation. you know, just in terms of seeing that this is Kentucky's guy. This is his, his true point guard uh, prospect or wherever. And I, I, I think there, there was kind of a riff there that when, when Kenny Payne left the program, he kind of looked at the, the last off season. He kind of looked at this whole year as I got to do this all on my own. And at wow. Cal at 60, 61 years old now, he's not in that position to be the grinded out guy on the recruiting trail. And I think it kind of reached a point where when this season became what it was, he kind of looked at himself in the mirror and said, I got to get my guy back. I got to get somebody that even though I think Joel is one of the best rising up and coming guys in the basketball business. And I think he's going to do a hell of a job as the lead recruiter at Arizona state under Bobby, uh, Bobby Hurley. I think that is in itself was a great fit on, on their end. But I think Cal genuinely wanted a guy that he could trust wholeheartedly, Uh, a guy like chin Coleman as, as the other counterpart who has so many deep rooted, you know, sources and connections and grassroots basketball. He was in the AAU circuit. He understands what it takes to be a, you know, an AAU type guy. Uh, You you talk to people around, you know, basketball recruiting circles and just basketball circles in general. They say that he is the guy he is, you know, I think Brad Underwood gave a quote that was like, he was the most perfect hire I could have made at the time. He is so well-respected. So to add a guy that has kind of the clout in basketball circles, along with his most trusted confidant, a guy that, you know, Kentucky's biggest success came with with Orlando Antigua on staff. Adding those two kind of – I think it's a win-win for both Joel Justice and – John Calipari where Joel can now not kind of be under such a microscope with coach Cal and his recruiting decisions. He can go out. There were times that I think Joel was ready to offer scholarships to guys like sky Clark, Jaden Bradley, those type of guys. And Cal wasn't comfortable enough yet because he wanted to see him with his own eyes. And Joel was kind of like, so you're putting me on the recruiting trail. You want me to be on top of this. You want me to develop, relationships with these kids but when it comes time for these kids to ask me hey i'm ready to commit i want to be a part of this program can i come and i go uh i gotta leave that up to my boss there was always that disconnect there that i think now joel is able to be that guy where he can make those calls at arizona state and cal now gets his guy back that he is more comfortable and trusting uh, to make those type of calls at at kentucky now with orlando antigua so very odd situation but i think it's i think it's true win-win for both parties
1: yeah, so let me ask you, what what do you think it is about, so Orlando Antigua was with him for 10 plus years, Memphis into the you know, first half of his time at, at Kentucky, what is it that you believe that he inherently trusts in Orlando Antigua, or was it, you know, like, like, like what is, what was the disconnect, and, and when it, you mentioned that He didn't necessarily trust Joel Justice in the same way. Obviously, it's no disrespect to Joel. I mean, he's a young dude, hasn't been around Calipari as long, all that stuff. And, you know, sometimes, uh, like you said, he kind of got bumped into that one seat, whether maybe he was prepared for it or not. But what is it that you believe or why is it that you believe that Orlando Antigua, that he inherently trusts Orlando Antigua? I mean, his record, his resume kind of speaks for itself, but I'll just go ahead and give the floor to you.
0: Yeah I think it's an accountability thing you go back and you find old quotes from DeMarcus Cousins and Patrick Patterson and Eric Bledsoe and John Wall and I mean you go to Willie Colleystein, you go down the list and there's so many quotes that I'm, I'm actually pre-writing all this stuff waiting for the waiting for it all to, to fall so I, I'm well prepared when it happens but I found a bunch of old quotes from old players that have basically said this was the guy in the he was the the good cop, bad cop yes. complimentary piece with with Coach Cal. No matter what the, if if Coach Cal was saying, dude, you played your heart out, you worked your butt off, we're so proud of you, keep it up. Orlando was the guy to go, but keep your head on a swivel because you've got to keep working. You're not there yet. If Cal was wanting to run into the locker room and rip somebody a new one, Antigua was the complimentary. I got your back. We got we'll we'll work through this. I'm confident in you. He was that that yin and yang with with Coach Cal that Again, going back to Bruiser Flint, is he that complimentary piece in terms of good cop, bad cop? I think it's two good cops or two bad cops whenever, you know, there there was no, there was no push and pull this past season with, with the staff that, that he had right now. And I think Antigua was that guy, but I think it also kind of boils down to just talent evaluation. He Sees his track record at, at Illinois. He saw what he did at Kentucky. He said, "That's my guy. That's my guy. I want that point guard." You know, he was able to pinpoint his guys, brought them in, and they ended up being exactly who they thought they were. Think of the talent evaluation issues over the last couple years as jo- with Joel as the guy. Again, I'm very confident in Joel. I think it's just kind of an experience type thing, knowing you know who who's it and who's not. Those type of things. It just comes with experience. But I don't think Cal had time to play the waiting game anymore. I think he needed a guy that he could trust to make that call of, of hey, this point guard is our guy. No matter what, we got to make sure he's on the, he, he's on campus this year. I think Cal trusts him to make those calls just in terms of talent evaluation and, and you know, accountability and player relationships, those sorts of things. It's, it's kind of an, an all-in-one package with, with Coach O as opposed to, uh, you know, just depends on on what day of the week it is for for Joel Justice on on his hits and misses.
1: It's so funny because I myself have pre-written something on when this becomes official. And I I reference that with Coach O, as everybody knows his track record and player evaluation. But and I think this was something that you and I talked about the last time you were on in December about the idea that like that was what stood out to me when I watched Kentucky, especially early when you and I talked was you have this incredibly highly paid assistant coaching staff. You have uh, multiple special assistants to the head coach. So like, what are all these specials? And, And, you know, you would see it. And it was so glaring this year because there were no fans. The benches were spread out. Fill in the blank player walks back to the sidelines. Calipari is screaming, which, you know, got more notice this year because the team stunk and the arena was empty and it was extra loud, but there wasn't that guy to go to him. So that is something that I noticed as well. Um, how big do you think it is just from, and I, I know I've heard you talk about this on your podcast, the sources say podcast about just the swag factor, because this is something I think about. Look, Cal Perry, he, he's the, the $8 million, $9 million man. He deserves the criticism that came with last season, but for him to go out after a season, like he did, and just say one, Orlando Antigua was the only guy that I can get that my fan base know. Like, like you can go hire Tension Coleman's, who's really well respected. But if the Kentucky fan base doesn't know him, you and I both know that it doesn't register the same way as Orlando Antigua. So for Calipari to not only go get the one guy that everybody, that the only guy that would make the fan base happy, unless you know Kenny Payne, or and two to get the second assistant coach off of a staff that, again, had Final Four talent this year. To me, it's not bigger than winning a national championship. I get that. It's not bigger than making a Final Four. This feels pretty freaking big of Calipari drawing the line in the sand and saying, whatever happened last year, it ain't happening again under my watch.
0: Well, you go back to the beginning of the Calipari era when – UK got that swagger back in the program. They were coming off the Gillespie era where uh, at the time people thought that was the lowest of lows. Little did we know this year, you know, easily surpassed that moment, but that was the, this program cannot get any worse and he came in and it was like a, a breath of fresh air when, when coach O came in, obviously with coach Cal and, 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 his staff, it felt like Kentucky basketball was back bringing in the guys that, you know, Cal made all these promises on day one. I, I came here because I recruit the best. I get the best and I develop the best. You know, he, he made all these big, big time promises and he did it from day one. That was a team that could have gone undefeated the minute, you know, the first time Cal ever set foot on campus, he put together a roster that nearly went undefeated, lost two games the whole season. I mean, that type of swagger is something that Kentucky just simply hasn't had. I mean, you look, you go down the list and it was John, uh, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Carl Anthony Towns, Willie Colley Stein, those, you know, larger than life type personalities, the players that, that people really connect to. When was the last one uh, of those type of guys that Kentucky fans really resonated with? Tyler Hero I mean you look at the NBA ranks who is the cool kid for Kentucky basketball as of late as of the last five years Tyler Hero Tyrese Maxey maybe Uh, I mean you just kind of go down the list Emmanuel quickly has kind of emerged as that guy because you know he works his ass off and he's you know that guy with with the Knicks but he was a top 25 draft pick they haven't had that larger than life wow kid in a long time and i think it's because you know coach o O was one of those people that brought those type of kids in the 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 players that fans really uh, connected well with and had bright you know bubbly personalities those sorts of those sorts of kids that matched it wasn't just the oh they have infectious smiles and and contagious personalities but it the the talent and production on the court matched that and i think that kind of uh cohesiveness hasn't been there since coach O left, and especially since, since Kenny Payne left. I
1: don't know how much you can share. How did the chin Coleman stuff because a a logical person, and I don't have this on background or information, but a logical person would say, well, Calipari's right-hand man forever was Orlando Antigua. Orlando Antigua worked with chin Coleman. And a logical person would say Orlando Antigua told chin Coleman, Hey, if you're going to bring me, you should be bringing this dude as well. I don't know if you can say, I don't know if you know, but I'm curious because Jim Coleman, obviously up until uh, about two, three weeks ago, as best as I know, had no real true relationship with John Calipari.
0: Well, I I think it goes back to trust, right? I think coach Kyle looked at, oh, and said, we need you. You tell (laughs) us what you want to do. We, you know, kind of put all, all, all chips in all cards on the table. Like we, we need to figure out some, some solution for this you need to help us come up with that. And, uh, you know, you talk to people around Illinois basketball and fans that really know, you know, how recruiting works and the dynamics of all that. They say coach O and, and coach Chin worked extremely well together on the recruiting trail. They were just, uh, you know, obviously larger than life personalities, but uh, you know, they, they just developed very strong relationships and, and their personalities really connected well with fan with, with family members and, and coaches and teammates and those sorts of things they they just really worked you know alongside one another extremely well so Cal I'm sure I was told kind of leading up to all this that there was a kind of a a moment with coach Cal that's that he kind of talked to both Joel Justice and Tony Barbie that said I think we're ready to take this next step forward let's start looking for next stops and Tony Barbie has been looking for a head coaching job for the last year. When he moved over to that associate to the head coach role last year, when Jay J Lucas came on staff, it was a one year rental basically where they looked at that and said next year at this time, I'm going to be a head coach. I don't care if it's at Fordham. I don't care if it's at, you know, where, wherever he could have gone. He wanted to be back in the head coaching ranks. He stumbled upon a, a hell of an opportunity at central Michigan. That was fantastic. But I think for both of them, it was a, the time is now we're we're stepping forward this with this uh, you know program unfortunately I think it's going to need to be a mutual parting of ways type deal where it was a if you guys can't find jobs in these next however long you know you know Cal is always like I said he's a big PR guy he never wants to put his guys in a negative spotlight he always wants the best for his people he sees Joel and Tony Barbie obviously as his people he wasn't wanting the PR nightmare that would come with X person fired at Kentucky. You know, he's been relieved of his coaching duties, whatever. He was not going to let that happen. He was wanting to have it be a mutual, uh, you know, talk, you go back to that press release that UK uh, let out when Joel moved to Arizona state, he said, uh, Joel came to me with this perfect opportunity at Arizona state. And I said, it was an opportunity. He couldn't, you know, the wording is always like, all right, we get it, Cal. Like we 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 know that it was a you know scratch my back I scratch yours type deal with him always. But there was a little more to it than just Joel came to him saying, "Please, coach, let me go take this opportunity. I'd love to." All right, I guess you can't. It was it was obviously a little a little bit more than that. But I think there was a kind of a line drawn in the sand that said it's time. And when that moment came, it kind of turned into we know coach O is our guy, coach O, you tell us who we need to bring on. And coach O says, the guy that I have right now is the guy. I mean, the, wow. we work so well together. His, you know, he has such deep roots. And like I said, Chicago basketball, AAU circuit, grassroots basketball. He looked at that and said, if I'm coming, we gotta bring him too because we wow. work really well together. And with what UK already has in Jay Lucas, Bruiser Flint's expected to move over to Tony Barbie's uh, role as the special assistant to the head coach or whatever. It feels like this trio, coach Coach O, Coach Jay Lucas and, and Chin Coleman, it feels like that that swagger back Kentucky basketball. It really does.
1: Well, and another thing that I pre-wrote that you may we may have doubled up on, but the idea of having arguably Orlando Antigua was really a national recruiter, but, you know, top guy in New York City. We know about the track record. Carl Anthony Towns, Andre Corbello, Kofi Coburn, all those guys on Illinois. Top guy in Chicago. Top One of the top guys in Texas. And Chris Beard is loaded up like no one's business as well. Right. So Texas isn't going to be easy these next few years. But it really says something, which leads me to. And I want to talk about next year's roster specifically in a minute, but last question on kind of all these coaching changes. And again, as we record, maybe something's broken since we started, but um, you know, this is all still speculative, but it's going to happen anyway. um, What do you believe the next say five years of Kentucky basketball looks like? Because I want to hit it from a few different angles. One, there's obviously been this conversation within the, the program and the circles that those elite, best of the best guys, Kentucky really hasn't gotten them the last two, three, four years. Um, on the one hand, some of them are are just going to other schools. On the other hand, there's this G League alternative pathway. But now we're kind of seeing that college might be a better option as we record here. Jalen Green even said on on uh Wednesday or Tuesday, I should have I didn't go to college. If I had, I'd be the number one pick. So G League's going to be there but maybe not as many kids take that pathway but some still will but then on the flip side you know the transfer thing is a bigger deal and so yes you have these all these elite guys that have pulled in elite high school players what do you envision kind of the push pull balance being of of send an Orlando Antigua on the recruiting circuit and say, Hey, go get this year's version of John Waller, this year's version of Anthony Davis. But then on the flip side, also saying whether it's transfers, whether it's whatever that, you know, I guess, how do you envision recruiting looking over the next five years?
0: Well, I kind of get the sense that Cal is done with the number 11 through 25 ish ranked kids that, think that they're good enough to be one and done superstars and some of them are I mean you got to give credit where credit's due they there are Tyler several there Hero. are several Hero. hits in that range every year but more often than not you get the EJ Montgomery's of the world the Ashton Hagans of the world the you know just go down the list it's, it's every year at this point the guys that are five stars and were superstars at their respective high school but they aren't NBA level talents, but they're told over and over again, you know, by their friends and family and coaches and, you know, people latching on hoping that they're the biggest, you know, the next big thing in the NBA, they're told you are an NBA player, you know, you're one and done. And I think Cal is done with the fringe you know, barely even pushing second round talents that put their name in the draft after one year, just because that's what you're supposed to do. I get the sense that Cal is going to get, you know, he's going to go after the can't miss guaranteed top five, you know, top seven, top eight, you know, even when you get to that 10 range, you're, you're starting to flirt with that. I think I'm better than I might actually be. I think he's going to go for the can't miss guys. He's going to go after the 30 to 40 to 50 range guys that he looks at and says, You are a multi-year player. Let's get this across. We are recruiting you in to be a role player. If you happen to be a Shea Guilds Alexander or a Tyler Hero and, you know, burst on the scene and we have no choice but to play you and put you in those situations, sure, by all means, go for it. But you need to come in here expecting to be here for two or three years. Kind of that stop thinking that you are more than you than you are. We're going to put you in that position several years down the road, but let's take a step back and realize who you are. We were we are bringing you in to be this player, not that player recruit. The, the best of the best in those specific role players and then that middle ground be entirely transfer portal where it's like we know that that those type of kids are going to you know you could get a marcus carr you could go get a um you know cj frederick you can get those type of plug and play type players to complement your roster better oh it's like kind of mesh with the superstar talents and to ease in the role players as well. I think it's going to be that perfect balance of, uh, you know, I just think, I think Cal's done with the number 17 overall recruit that thinks he's a five star one and done and averages four points a game and and puts his name in the draft and goes undrafted. I think those days are over. I think they're, they're wanting to, they're bringing coach O and coach chin back to get back in, 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 pursuit of those top five, top three, top one type recruits. But it's definitely deeper than let's just go get the best players in, in, in the nation. They're, they're definitely going to explore that, that transfer portal hard, and they're obviously going to keep bringing in role players because Cal wants uh, at least some, some level of, of roster stability in, in the long term.
1: I was told once by a high, high, high major assistant coach that recruits the type of players that you're talking about. Even when you go to McDonald's, there's a difference between a big Mac and a dollar hamburger. And it's the same with McDonald's all Americans. There's a difference between a big Mac, which is a, you know, a John wall DeMarcus cousins and a, a dollar menu cheeseburger. And people can fill in the blank on maybe a McDonald's all American. <laughs> that, that would be that guy. So, all right, perfect. Last couple of questions. I'll let you go. Um, first one. What's going on with the point guard situation. So uh, I said on Monday, you know, I, I try to follow the national scene as much as I can and, most rosters are for the most part pretty much set at this point. And I I said, the single biggest thing that needs to be addressed outside of maybe a a super marquee uh, player entering the draft or coming back is what the heck is Kentucky going to do at point guard? Uh, they had a freshman that probably wasn't going to be a starter quality next year, but was really good and was going to play minutes, Nolan Hickman. He decommitted last week, wanted to be closer to home. He did an incredible job reporting on that and talking to his dad and kind of getting a, a, a wrap around why that happened. But we're here on May 5th, uh, Cinco de Mayo, and again, things can change in a hurry. Um, but Kentucky doesn't have a point guard on its roster and players are going to be back less than a month from now. <laughs> Where are we at and who the heck is going to be the point guard next year?
0: Well, I, I was prying and pushing and, and poking at, at Nolan Hickman senior hoping for him to tell me, yeah, they're bringing in Marcus Carr. He committed. And we decided that, yeah, we, we just, we just didn't think there was a spot for us on the roster anymore. Sorry, man. We got it. We got to back out. I was uh, you know, hoping for a tie tie Washington but, you know commitment silent commitment something and he was like no nah, man we just we just approached UK and said this is what we have going on and now I was asking him off record trying to you know just just give me a tell me that there's some good news on the horizon for Kentucky basketball and he was like I mean yeah they are reaching out to eight plus point guards right now and like yeah it's something we obviously kept a close eye on and he was like yeah I'd be lying if we didn't say that it would it was at least some aspect, you know, some, some reasoning for us, you know, decommitting on top of the homesickness on top of Tony Barbie and, and Joel justice leaving. He was like, yeah, we were, he, he gave a quote that was like, no one kind of looked at himself in the mirror and was like, are they recruiting to play with me or are they recruiting guys for me to play with? Like, a, <laughs> and I thought that was, a, that was an interesting point, but he was like, but no, we, you know, we're not scared of competition. That had nothing to do with it. We, you know, we understood after watching this past season you need more than one point guard to work and if you don't hit on that one point guard you're screwed and he was like so i i completely understood them going after marcus cars of the world and ty ty washington he was like we were we were recruiting ty ty to kentucky with us so like the people that were making that up and saying oh you know ty ty pushed him out those sorts of things that was all bogus but on the other front uk doesn't have a point guard it's there's not some secret commitment there's no silent you know big package deal in the works you know UK genuinely does not have a point guard lined up on May 5th, 2021 with players supposed to be on campus in less than a month. They are, they're showing up on June 1st. and As of right now, there are two players showing up on campus. Scary, not a good thing. And I, I think, you know, Ty Ty Washington's a guy that he's committing next week. There's a bunch of positive UK buzz right now. I think it's UK or Arizona. I don't think Kansas is is really they're they're probably next in line, but I think it's definitely down to Kentucky and Arizona at this point. Uh you know, I I've always kind of liked Kentucky's chances talking to um, you know his coach, people around him. They they're always very high on Kentucky and they're saying all the right things about that. So I've always kind of gotten a sense that UK was in a good spot for them, but you know, Marcus Carr's there, but we're not. You know, are you comfortable not having a point guard on the roster until July seventh, July you know tenth, whatever that would be? It's, it's just kind of one of those. Do you? I think Cal's biggest plan this whole time was, like you said, almost all of of, of college basketball has their rosters mostly intact right now. Cal has very glaring needs at point guard. He's probably just playing, a, a, you know, a numbers and, and time game. That by the time these uh, you know, Scotty Pippen juniors of the world, Marcus cars of the world, uh, Xavier wheelers of the world, when those players inevitably back out of the draft or, you know, some others stay in the draft and kind of push the others out of the draft. By the time those big decisions come around and they're look, you know, these high profile players are looking for uh, for for spots and all of their spots are taken at the other big blue bloods, Kentucky's kind of the only option like hey, you can come in and be our starting point guard next year and it's kind of a match made in heaven. So I don't think Cal has a player in mind, but I think he's playing the odds that when in terms of scholarship numbers, open roll and Kentucky being Kentucky that that Kentucky's just going to get one of those guys. Just playing the odds by it. And I don't know if Kentucky fans are comfortable with that wait and see approach because it very well may end up, you know, Ty, Ty Washington may commit next week, but after that, it feels like the other high profile kids that are, you know, kind of waiting, waiting it out. We could have one point guard, uh, you know, signed on in Ty Tie Washington until July. And I don't know if that's something Kentucky fans are going to be comfortable with.
1: Absolutely. By the way, you said there's only gonna be two players reporting to campus on June 1st. Did you mean just in the backcourt you're talking about?
0: No, I, I just meant in terms of signees, da- Damian Collins, oh, okay, and Bryce okay, Hopkins, okay, okay. just that's the freshman, the, that's the freshman orientation start date. Okay. They, they they were planning on that being the welcome to campus day. And as of right now, there's only two players to welcome to campus. The other players, you know, they've been back and forth. You know, I think currently Isaiah Jackson, who's obviously gone, he's back home at Pontiac. Uh, Day, uh Davion Mintz, who just announced he's back home in, in North Carolina and so on and so forth. I think those guys have kind of returned home for uh, for the summer or the next month or whatever until it is time to return home. But they have free access to go. I mean, they're moved in. They can move. True. In, back and forth. But the move in date is <laughs> there's only two players moving in, which is very scary.
1: All right. So last question, I'll let you go is. So you mentioned some of the players that will be back. I think anyone that has made it this far into this interview knows what most of Kentucky's roster looks like. Let's assume they add C.J. Frederick. Um, Where, how confident are you? How good do you feel in getting a point? Because I look at, and again, I follow all these teams. I think if Kentucky gets a point guard and it seems like C.J. Frederick is going to happen at some point, I actually really do like their roster for next year. Like, is it top three, top five good? I don't think so. But, um, you know, one, I can make a case for, I think a legitimate top 10 team. And then I would say, give Calipari a full offseason, give them a normal summer into a normal fall, a little bit more of a mature team this, this coming season with maybe a, some would say a better coaching staff, whatever. Um, like, I, I like that team a lot, but it all does hinge on the point guard. So assuming C.J. Frederick eventually becomes a wildcat, how good do you feel assuming that there's some kind of just some kind of decent point guard? And, and I should say, too, like my whole thing with the point guard position, I, I see this stuff about, well, you know, Marcus Carr only shoots this percentage or Severe Wheeler only shoots this per- if you're a good enough point guard, there's enough three-point shooting around you where you don't have to be a 42% three-point shooter. So right. whoever it would be, how confident would you feel? Because I really do like all of the other pieces, but I just think it hinges on the point guard. I really do.
0: Yeah, I, I think when you go CJ Frederick, 47% three-point shooter, Dante Allen, 40% three-point shooter, and and uh, Kellen Grady, 38% three-point shooter on a combined 13-point four uh, attempts from three per game between the uh, combined between the three of them when you have high efficiency high quantity type three-point shooters around you it's not a Dante Allen situation this last this past season where he enters the game and you could basically isolate him out of the game because he is the only shooter on the roster you when he came in the game it was essentially four on four for whoever UK was guarding they they it was so easy to just kind of take him out of games because he was, you know, there wasn't shooting at the point guard position. There wasn't enough ball movement and outside of Dante Allen there, you know, when it was in that four on four situation, there were no other shooters, uh, no other facilitators, no players that could drive by somebody and score at the rim. That's where UK's issues came in. You know, he was able to surprise you every once in a while, like he did in the Mississippi state game was kind of a freak thing. He just kind of came in and, and blew up, but on a normal given basis, it was, Four on four basketball every time Dante Allen was in the game. Now that there are three legit high profile shooters, arguably the best trio of shooters in college basketball, I I, I could I could argue with with CJ Frederick being added, added. When you have those type of guys that are constantly moving, constantly looking for the ball, you can you can kind of take a step back at the shooting position of the point, or you can at shooting at the point guard position. You could take on a Xavier Wheeler who shot. 22 percent from three this past year uh marcus carr that shot you know barely 31 percent whatever from three and 38 percent from the field or whatever you could you can kind of live with the scoring inefficiencies and shooting inefficiencies at point guard when you have such superstar shooting talent around you because the, the, it will allow the marcus cars of the world the Xavier wheelers and, the, and those sorts of, of players who are so good at, at just kind of making plays by themselves as as uh, you know, initiators and facilitators and those sorts of things, you can kind of get a little bit more flexible at the point guard position when you have standout shooting around you. And then on top of Oscar Shiboy anchoring the middle, I'm very high on Damian Collins, uh, strong bench with, with, uh, you know, Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin returning. There's, there's a lot of strong pieces there, but it starts at the point guard. That's the, you know, it, you brought up that great point. It's, it's either right now the roster looks like a top 25, top 30, ish roster and that's just assuming they pencil in a just a guy at point guard if they get a Marcus Carr if they get a, a Ty Washington but I, th- I think they need two guys I think if they get a Ty Washington and another I think that's where you start getting pretty confident as a top five top 10 ish team where you know anything can happen in March but you're at least confident enough to say that they're going to get to March which you can't say the same thing about uh, how this past season unfolded
1: Very good. Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky Sports Radio, Sources Say Podcast. Anything else that we missed on? Uh, Anything else that, uh, you know, you're excited about this offseason? Anything else that you've written that we can't talk about because it hasn't become, what, what do you got? What else is going on?
0: Iverson classic is this weekend the first, the only all American event of the year. So that's, that's exciting. I still kind of frustrated that McDonald's didn't do an in-person thing or Jordan brand classic didn't do an in-person thing, but uh, Iverson has the the monopoly on all American events. So I'll be there in Memphis this weekend and Uh, I'll be able to talk Ty Ty Washington's there. So we'll get recruiting updates on him. Nolan Hickman will also be playing. So we'll kind of get to talk to him about why he decommitted. And then obviously uh, Damian Collins and Bryce Hopkins are there as well. So it'll be my first chance to kind of see them in person at a high profile event since COVID hit and, you know, kind of all the in-person stuff shut down. So I'm obviously very excited about that. And, uh, just excited to get my eyes on real life basketball for a change. I, I was there in uh, Indianapolis this past weekend at a made hoops event. It was awesome. Imani Bates versus uh, Jalen Duran and you know, those sorts of things. So very excited to kind of get back on the trail and kind of establish some level of a routine with this again.
1: We'll have to do, we'll save the Imani Bates conversation for the next time because I got everyone all fired cool. up last weekend when he, de- I was like, he, he's like, he's really good, but he's not like, He's not like this generational whatever, and everyone was freaking out. And then, literally two days later, J- Jonathan Gavoni, Jeff Borzello, Eric Bossy all said the same thing. So, uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, Got to see your point,
0: Stop watching ball is life slam overtime highlights on YouTube. Watch them with your own two eyes, and you will know exactly what's going on. I because it, it was so funny watching Amani Bates his highlights were just incredible. I mean, he was shooting 35 feet away and his dunks, he was dunking on people and getting up in the cameras and screaming and, "Ah," you know, yeah, four highlight reels. He's an awesome player. He looks, he looks like Kevin Durant 2.0. You, you know, can't, can't miss player. You got to sign him. But if you actually watch him go eight for 28 against team final and Jalen Duran, a team that filled with actual D one talent, you go, Ooh, this really wasn't impressive at all. So please just watch with your own eyes and and make make assessments for yourself.
1: I saw somebody, t- somebody told me that he had a one to seven assist to turnover ratio in that event. So oh. uh, you, t- oh. you, take, you take that, in for- and by the way, last thing, and I always say this, I, I never go out of my way to crush 16, 17 year old kids, being like the number one, two or three player in your class, a top five pick and a potential all-star down the road, is a really great long term projection. He's just not Kevin Durant or LeBron James. That, that, that's all there is to it. It's, it, it's not, it doesn't have to be this big controversial thing.
0: Yeah. He's six foot nine, six, ten ish, handles the hell out of the ball, which was, I mean, that's kind of in itself probably the most impressive thing about him. Beautiful shooting stroke. I think there's a sense of he knows his Bates fundamental team is not good at all. There's not a lot of D one talent around him and he feels the need to be the guy. So he turns it into a, I care more about highlights and, you know, putting up X number of points a game than actually being playing efficient basketball and winning basketball. And I think when he realizes how to play winning basketball and how to play with complementary pieces that are, as good or just an, a, a notch be- below him because you know he is he is very raw he, he is a very you know superstar raw talent but when he kind of learns how to play winning basketball and be the player he thinks he is in his head sure i'll i'll uh, i'll pat him on the back and say you're gonna be you know the next big thing but until then after seeing what i've seen with my own two eyes not there yet not not very impressed at all
1: Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky Sports Radio, anti-Imani Bates. He's on the – he's off the (laughs) Imani Bates. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, dude, I appreciate this. You know I always love talking ball with you, man. Thank you for making the time. Safe travels to Memphis. Obviously, follow Jack's work. Uh, you You know where to find it. Sources say podcast, all that stuff. Jack, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate you.